Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Thursday, March 31st, 2022, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and coming up on today's episode, on a day that was supposed to be the original Major League opening day, instead, we're still a week away, and for the Orioles, eight days away. But we're actually a little bit closer to minor league opening day because the Norfolk Tides start their season April 5th, then the rest of the affiliates on April 8th along with the Orioles. So on today's episode, I wanted to take a look at the Orioles' top prospects, specifically their top 10 prospects according to Fangraphs, and talk about what the ideal season would look like in 2022 for each of those top 10 prospects, where they could end up, how high they could get, and which of these players could be in the majors for the Orioles this year. So that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So we're talking Orioles prospects on this episode because, as we know, the O's have top 10, top 5, many would argue number 1 system in baseball. And as we also know, the Orioles did not really add nearly as much as they should have to the Major League roster. Now I get it. The rebuild's still going on. The target year is 2023 to have a competitive baseball team again. That's still one year away. But it seemed like a good time to add to the Major League roster, and the O's really didn't. So 2022 going to be another year where we really focus on prospects. But what will be different this year than you know, 19, 20, and 21 since Mike Elias has taken over is that the real top guys, the cream of the crop, they're going to be, at least some of them, ready to be in the big leagues this year. So today, I wanted to talk about which of those guys could get to the bigs, and just in general, you know, what the ceiling looks like for those top prospects. But first, I just wanted to thank you for making Locked on Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. Locked on Orioles is free and available on all podcast listening platforms, and it's free and available now on YouTube. Remember, we are five days a week, not just on your favorite podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen, but also now on YouTube. So if you are just an audio listener, make sure to follow, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. If you're on Apple Podcasts, if you could give us a five-star rating and a review on the podcast page, that would really, really help us out a lot. And if you are interested in watching on YouTube, hit that red subscribe button right down there. Make sure to like the videos, comment on the videos, your thoughts on what we're talking about here on Locked on Orioles. That really helps. Again, again, we got over 100 subscribers. Thank you so much. Now trying to get to 200 here on the YouTube channel. So once again, just wanted to thank you for making Locked on Orioles your first listen of the day. And for your first listen today, the Orioles top 10 prospects. Where could they go here in 2022? And we're going to go with the Fangraphs list, which was put together by Kevin Goldstein, Eric Longenhagen uh, back in February. Because, honestly, these are the guys I trust the most. Now, I know Goldstein was rehired into Major League Baseball, so it's just kind of more of Longenhagen at Fangraphs now. But he's the guy who seems the most knowledgeable about a lot of these prospects. I usually refer to the Fangraphs list a lot of the time. Uh, this was published back on February 9th. So we're going to go with these 10 guys. Go from 10 to number one on this episode. And basically, we're going to figure out, you know, where could these guys end up at the end of 2022? So let's start with Heston Kerstad. He is the number 10 ranked prospect on Fangraphs. 
in the Orioles system. Of course, a left-handed hitter who the O's took with the number two overall pick in the 2020 MLB draft. And as we know, Kerstad has not played a professional game yet. Suffered through myocarditis, missed all of the 2021 season, and it looked like he was back, ready to go. He was in minor league spring training. And then he suffered a little bit of a hamstring strain. Didn't seem too serious. They said they'd shut him down for a little bit and reevaluate. Then the hamstring strain was graded up a bit. And Mike Elias announced last week that Kerstad would miss 8 to 12 weeks. That's 2 to 3 months with that hamstring injury. So if we just say 8 weeks, probably add on a little bit to that because he didn't get much spring training at all before the injury happened. So it feels like even the good side of this is he's not into minor league games for three months from the injury. So you look at that, mid-March when the injury happens, mid-April, mid-May, mid-June is probably the best-case scenario for him to get back into minor league games. And because he's never played a pro game before, yes, you know, he is 23 years old, and yes, he had a great college career, and he's got an advanced bat, but the Orioles are going to want to bring him along Slowly, not just because of the injury, but also because of the health issues and just because they haven't seen him play pro ball yet and because they've invested a lot in Kerstad with the number two overall pick. So my guess is, my guess is that because of this injury, he's probably going to start the year in the FCL, in rookie ball. Now it's not going to be for long. Maybe he plays out those final two weeks of June in the FCL, and then he would go to Delmarva. So for me, for Heston Kerstad to start this off... I would probably say best-case scenario is ending the year in Aberdeen. I don't even think a best-case scenario for him looks like double-A Bowie this year. Now, if he hadn't sustained the hamstring injury, I think it would have been Bowie. But now with the injury, they're going to want to work him back. He'll probably go to Sarasota, play in the FCL, and then he'll go to Delmarva and face full-season pitching in you know July and August in Delmarva. And maybe by September, he can get a call-up to Aberdeen and play there. And then we see him in Bowie to start the 2023 season. But at the end of the day, you know, it is another minor setback for Kerstad. Now, this doesn't make him some sort of injury-prone bust player. He's still going to be a great hitter, but they're going to be slow with him because of these things. So for Kerstad, honestly, I just feel bad for him. It sucks for him. It does. To get yourself back from what he went through, be ready to go, and then have that kind of injury that takes you out for more time than you initially thought. And uh, just cannot wait to see him back on the field. But again, I think kind of a strong showing at the end of the year in high A Aberdeen. That could be best-case scenario for him. Number nine prospect on the list is Jordan Westberg, the 23-year-old infielder who the Orioles took in the competitive balance round at the end of the first round of that same 2020 draft. They saved some money on Kerstad, and they were able to get Jordan Westberg with that pick out of Mississippi State, a very advanced hitter for his age, who ended up getting two double-A Bowie right at the end of the year. He's got a cup of coffee in double-A, uh, in the postseason as well with the Bay Sox. So Jordan Westberg almost certainly will start this season in double-A with Bowie in 2022. He'll play some second, he'll play some short, he'll play some third because there's going to be a lot of good infielders in Bowie. Gunnar Henderson is going to be on that team in Bowie. Joey Ortiz is going to be on that team in Bowie. Taron Vavra is probably going to be in triple-A, but there's a chance he's maybe on that double-A team in Bowie. And so with all this success that Bowie's going to have and all these great infielders that they're going to have on that team, you know, it's going to be tough to get everybody reps at shortstop because a lot of them are shortstops. And so he's going to play some second. He's going to play some third. He's going to play some short. But obviously, if he hits the ball, he can easily get to AAA Norfolk this year. The question kind of becomes, 
Could Westberg get to the big leagues in 2022? Again, he'll he'll want to play a large chunk at AA. I'm not saying like a hot month in April is going to get him to AAA. No, no, no. He's going to play a majority of the season no matter what in AA. Has a good chance to get to AAA by the end of the season. Don't get me wrong. But I would say no on Westberg getting to the big leagues. I just think there's still guys they want to get a look at. There's guys ahead of him in the system. One of them... Being Taron Vavra, you know, even a even a guy like like a Patrick Dorian or maybe like a Caden Grenier would would be above him in kind of getting that infield shot at the majors this year. And obviously, you have the Ryland Bannons and the Jemai Jones who have combined for not much major league time at all, who still need to kind of get that chance. So at the end of the day, I would say ends the year in AAA strong. Best case scenario, I don't really think there's a scenario that gets Westberg to the big leagues. Now, number eight on the list is Kyle Stowers and. This is an interesting one because if, you'd, if I had talked about this a week ago, I would have said, well, Stowers can definitely get to the big leagues this year. I would have said that's the best case scenario, but I would have said probably not until after the all-star break. And, you know, he has a lot of time at AAA. But Stowers obviously, you know, started the year at AA. He got to AAA Norfolk, hit very well both places, was the Orioles co-minor league player of the year with Adley Rutschman last year. And, you know, the assumption was, all right, he'll start the year back at AAA. He'll start in the outfield, play every day, get to hit. He'll get to play the field. And then once the Orioles start to sort out more of their outfield, what do they do with Santander? What do they do with DJ Stewart? How does Ryan McKenna fit in? When all those questions start to be answered a little more, and maybe after the All-Star break, you know, we could see Stowers in the majors. But Kyle Stowers has now survived two rounds of cuts from Major League Camp. He is one of the 44 players, as we speak here on Wednesday evening, one of the 44 players left in Major League Camp for the Orioles. Obviously, it will be a 28-man opening day roster that opens the season next Friday in Tampa. And Michael Elias said, after he made the last round of cuts to get it down to 44, that every single one of those 44 players has a shot to make the opening day roster. They're, they're all in some sort of roster battle at this point. So if you take Elias at his word there, best case scenario for Kyle Stowers is that he's on the opening day roster in about a week for the Orioles. I mean... I don't think it's going to happen. I still think he starts the year at AAA. But a best-case scenario is the majors to start the year. And a realistic good scenario is that I still think he's going to start at AAA. But if the Orioles are just giving DJ Stewart a little more time, whatever it may be, and I know Yuzniel Diaz had a hot spring and he's in the mix, and obviously Tyler Nevin is in this mix as well, and Robert Newstrom is going to be at AAA after a good season last year. But if Kyle Stowers has the hit tool that we think he does that he showed off last year and it's better than Diaz and better than Stewart and better than McKenna and better than Santander even who could be just a replacement level player, Stowers could definitely be in the bigs before the All-Star break. You could look up in May and Kyle Stowers could be up in the big leagues making his debut. That's a pretty good best case scenario and I don't know how much he'll produce in the majors but... I think now the new best-case scenario for Stowers is not, oh, he comes up to the big leagues after the All-Star break and he's in and out of the lineup. He could be a legitimate future starting outfielder, not just future, current starting outfielder in the big leagues for the Orioles by the end of the year. We could be looking at Hayes in left, Mullins in center, and Stowers in right pretty much every day in August, July, September for the Orioles. That could be pretty exciting for Kyle Stowers. Number seven on this list is Kyle Bradish, who obviously, starting pitcher, 25 years old, came over from the Angels in the Dylan Bundy trade, who started the year double-A Bowie last year, dominated, got called up to triple-A Norfolk after four starts, struggled early at Norfolk, but really ended the season well in that Tides rotation, 
and came to big league camp this year. You know, he's on the 40-man roster. And I honestly thought he'd be on the opening day roster. When I made my opening day roster prediction 1.0 back on Monday, make sure to go check out that episode. I said, Kyle Bradish. I put him in as the Orioles' number five starter to open the season. Bradish has had two solid two-inning outings this spring. Hasn't given up a run. But the Orioles, on Monday, did option him down to minor league camp. Did send him to AAA Norfolk, which pretty much tells you he's not going to start the season on the roster. He'll be in the Norfolk opening day rotation. Probably won't start opening day. That'll probably be Grayson Rodriguez. But he'll be the number two guy in that rotation. So best case scenario for him is obviously getting to the big leagues. But I think he could be up here pretty quickly because if he puts together a good April, four or five starts in Norfolk to start the year that look just as good or close to as good as his first couple starts in Bowie looked last year, I don't think it's going to take long for Kyle Bradish to get to the big leagues. And I thought he had enough to be on the opening day roster. I think this could be quick. I think best case scenario is by the start of May, Kyle Bradish is in the Orioles rotation, not just up in the bullpen, in the rotation. And best case scenario by the end of the year, we're throwing Bradish in with a couple other names where we kind of lock him in for the 2023 opening day rotation. I think a best case scenario is kind of a tick up from what Bruce Zimmerman did last year with hopefully better health, where Zimmerman, you know, he did, he was out a lot with the injury, but when he was on the field, we said, you know what, he's not any kind of ace, but he's done enough here where we're kind of locking him into next year's rotation. That's what we did with Zimmerman. I think best case scenario is that happens for Bradish, but he stays healthy. He builds up even more, and it's not a question of he'll be in, but where does he fit in? It's a sentiment like Means, Hall, Rodriguez, and Bradish. You're locking in to start 2023, and that could uh, could look pretty good. Number six on this list is Kobe Mayo on the Fran Graffs list. 20-year-old third baseman, who made it up to Loe Delmarva last year after the O's picked him out of high school in the 2020 draft. And for Kobe Mayo, you know, he could start at Delmarva. He could start at Aberdeen. Either way, I think best case scenario is he's a big-time contributor for the AA Bowie Bay Sox by the end of this season. Now, he's not getting to AAA, and he's certainly not getting to the majors this year. He's only 20 years old. But that bat is big time. And even if, even if he starts the year back at Delmarva, because remember, he was in the FCL for a bit last year. Then he went to the Shorebirds with all the 2021 draft picks and finished the year in Delmarva. So you can make an argument that he'll start the year in Aberdeen. But because he's still 20, wouldn't be surprised at all if he is the opening day third baseman for the Shorebirds. But if he hits like we know he can, he's going to quickly get moved up to high A Aberdeen. You know, by May, you could look around and Mayo could be in Aberdeen. And at that point... If he's crushing through Aberdeen, I know he's 20 years old, but Gunnar Henderson got to double A at 20 years old at the end of last year. So I think best case for Mayo, maybe the final month of the minor league season, he is in double A buoy playing every day, whether it's third base or somewhere else. And he's showing off that bat against really good pitching competition in double A. And we start to think about the possibility of Mayo getting to the majors at some point in 2023. I think that is what a best case scenario looks like for Kobe Mayo. But that's prospects 10 through 6. Coming up next, we're going to get to the top five prospects on the Fangraphs list for the Orioles and talk about what a best-case scenario looks like for them during the 2022 season. But, you know, the Orioles are really kind of betting on all these prospects. And if you want to play some bets or just get your betting news or just get your sports news in general, look no further than 
betonline.net. Because after months of playing, college basketball has finally determined the top teams for the Final Four. That'll determine this year's national champion coming up this weekend. Got the women's Final Four starting Friday, the men's on Saturday. Of course, on the women's side, you've got UConn, who makes it back to the Final Four, defending champs in Stanford. You've got South Carolina in there as well, uh, and Louisville round out the four. And on the men's side, of course, Coach K's final season, playing against UNC for the first time in the tournament. Let's go Tar Heels, and then Villanova and Kansas on the other side. And BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info this weekend, from all the latest odds, contests, and player props, to you name it. And BetOnline remains the best spot for all your latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all the leagues this season. But it is not just basketball. BetOnline has you covered for all your sports wagering information. You know, there's the NBA as well, but how about the NHL getting closer to the playoffs? And of course, baseball betting with the MLB season starting up next week. They've also got live betting, and they've got your favorite favorite Vegas casino games as well. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action at betonline.net, where the game starts. So we'll get back to the Orioles' top 10 prospects, where they could end up this season. We went through 10 through 6. Now it's time for those top 5 prospects in the Orioles' system, according to Fangraphs. What does their best-case scenario look like this year? And we start with number five, that is Gunnar Henderson, the 20-year-old shortstop who the Euros took in the second round out of high school in the 2019 draft. And Henderson had a pretty good year last year in the minors. You know, he was in high Aberdeen, and he struggled for a bit, but he pulled it together, and he got to double-A Bowie right at the end of the year. He was on that Bowie playoff team at the end of the season. Henderson, at 20 years old, was helping the Bay Sox in the postseason. And because of that, I think everyone assumes Gunnar Henderson will start the year at double-A Bowie this year. So the question for Henderson is, with him starting at Bowie, could he get to the majors? Now, I'm going to say no on Gunnar Henderson. I don't think 2022 in the majors is in the cards for him. Listen, he will turn 21 at some point late this season, but that's still young. The Orioles still have so many infield options ahead of him. You know, I mentioned Jordan Westberg earlier, how I don't think he gets to the majors this year. I think he's even above Gunnar Henderson in the pecking order of potentially maybe getting to the big leagues this year. So I definitely don't think Henderson will get there. But a best-case scenario for Henderson is probably just a great double-A season. I'm fine if he spends the whole year from end-to-end at double-A Bowie and just hits and hits and hits against some of the best competition. I honestly think this would be a perfect season for him. He plays shortstop and third base, DHs some at double-A Bowie all year. And then at the end of the year, he gets rewarded and gets a couple of weeks up in AAA Norfolk to end the season at age 21. I would be perfectly fine with that. Now, many people might say, well, if he's dominating Bowie, that'd be great. And maybe he spends a good chunk of the year at AAA Norfolk. Yeah, maybe that happens. But even at 20 years old, 21 years old, just keep him at Bowie. I'm honestly fine if he doesn't even get that cup of coffee in Norfolk. If he just plays the whole year at AA Bowie and puts up good stats and shows he can, you know, hit against this kind of very next level pitching competition, you go really a step up from high A to AA in terms of the pitching you face. I think that's totally fine for Gunnar Henderson because then you've got that whole year of AA under your belt. You go into 2023 looking at Henderson as at least a lock to be a AAA starter to start the year. And just like a guy like Mayo, you start thinking about Henderson in the majors at some point in 2023. And that seems like a pretty good deal for Gunnar Henderson. Number four on this list is Colton Kowser. The Orioles' first-round pick from 2021 took him fifth overall 
in the draft, uh, turning 22 here soon for the left-handed hitting outfielder out of Sam Houston State. Now, he was a guy who went to the FCL after the draft and then moved up with all the other draft picks to low-A Delmarva at the end of last year and just dominated Delmarva. I mean, we know the pitching at low-A was kind of worse than it usually has been last year, but he was way too good for that level, which to me shows me I wouldn't be surprised one bit if he opens the season as a starting outfielder in high-A Aberdeen this year, which means for Colton Kowser, the path is right there for him to get to double-A Bowie. And with his hit tool, which is so advanced at this point in his career, I would not be surprised at all if he makes high A pitching look like he made low A pitching look at the end of last year, where he's just a level above it, and it's just too easy for him. Now, it's not going to be a month at Aberdeen and he goes to boo. You know, they're going to give him some time in high A with the Ironbirds. But if we get to around the All-Star break around July and Kowser's just killing high A pitching, he's going to go to double A and he's going to spend... A good chunk, maybe up to the whole second half of the season in double-A buoy. That's what a, a best-case scenario looks like for Kowser, where he plays a good amount of the year at double-A, and then, you know, he's in major league camp next spring. We're talking about triple-A to start the year, and when he gets to the majors. It could be kind of a quick path for Kowser. I kind of see a little Nick Markakis in his game, but also for Kowser, the hit tool is just so advanced that, yes, the Orioles want of, you know, they want to get more power out of him, and I get it. He's got a swing to do it. But because that hit tool is so advanced and he can play center field along with all three outfield positions, I just think he's going to advance faster than some of these outfielders. And, you know, it stinks that Heston Kerstad is behind the way he is, but Kowser's going to jump him this year because Kowser probably going to start the year at Aberdeen, whereas Kerstad's going to be shut down. And whenever he comes back, it'll be, you know, a good amount at Delmarva probably before he gets to Aberdeen. And so for Kowser, good numbers in double A, half the season in Bowie. And then you're thinking Kowser may be in the big leagues in 2023? Definitely a best-case scenario there. Number three on this list is, of course, D.L. Hall, left-handed pitcher who the Orioles took in the first round back in 2017 out of high school, now 23 years old. Wow. Was that inning he threw on Monday against the Phillies fun to watch? Hitting 100 with the fastball, devastating slider, 1-2-3 inning against major league hitters with two strikeouts. Now, he did get optioned down to, to minor league camp, after that game, and he did actually get optioned all the way to double-A Bowie, and it looks like that's where he's going to start his season. But the only reason he's going to do that is because of the injury last year. He had, you know, the fractured in the elbow and missed most of the season after a dominating start in Bowie. So he's going to go back to the Bowie Bay Sox in double-A, and it's probably going to be in April in double-A for D.L. Hall. But he's going to make three, four, maybe five at the most starts in Bowie, and they're going to see that he needs to be up a level. And by May 1st, he will be in the AAA Norfolk Tides rotation. And a best-case scenario for D.L. Hall this year is he is in the majors. And Mike Elias has that quote from earlier this spring training where he said, D.L. Hall is in the plans, paraphrasing, but he's in the plans for the majors this year, and he could be in the big leagues quicker than you think. That is what Mike Elias said. And so to me, best-case scenario means he makes a couple of starts at Bowie. He'll, well, he'll go to Sarasota, and maybe he'll pitch in the FCL once or twice to rehab. He'll go to Bowie. He'll make a couple of starts there. And by some point in May, he's up in Norfolk and at full health. And he's pitching to AAA hitters for the first time. Now we know the Orioles are going to want him to face AAA competition. Mike Elias likes all the guys to face every level. And Hall hasn't been to AAA yet. So he's going to pitch at AAA a little bit this year. But say through May and June, we see a good D.L. Hall at AAA. You look up around the All-Star break and D.L. Hall is pitching with the Orioles. 
Wouldn't be surprised at all. Wouldn't be surprised if it's earlier than that. Maybe May is so dominant at AAA that by June, DL Hall's in Baltimore. I'm fine with that too. He seems to be healthy, ready to go. The stuff looks amazing. Give me DL Hall and the bigs. And maybe, maybe it's in a relief role. You know, he gets one or two innings like we saw in the spring training game. But again, best case scenario for Hall, like we're talking about with these guys, he's in the big leagues by about June. He works his way through. And by the end of the season, he's starting every fifth day for the Baltimore Orioles. And we're penciling him in to maybe that number three spot behind Means and Rodriguez heading into 2023 in the rotation. It's going to be a lot of fun for D.L. Hall. Speaking of Grayson Rodriguez, he's number two on this fan graphs list. 22-year-old right-hander, always took him out of high school in 2018 in the first round. And again, you know, he basically pitched the whole year double-A last year. Started the year in Aberdeen, made a couple of starts. He was dominant. Went to double-A, joined their rotation in Bowie, and pitched the whole year at Bowie. So this year, you know, we didn't expect him to be on the opening day rotation, but the expectation is he will start the year as the number one starter in AAA Norfolk. So the question becomes, what does he have to do to get to the big leagues this year? I do think, best case scenario, is he's in the big leagues this year. I think it will happen. But I think they're going to be a little cautious with him. I don't think it's going to be, oh, Grayrod had four or five great starts in AAA. We'll see him in May. I think best case scenario kind of looks like more so around the all-star break. The Orioles give him two or three months to, to carve up and get through you know, major league style hitters at AAA Norfolk. And then we come back in July or August, and here comes Grayson Rodriguez ready to make his major league debut, make his first start. And I would love to see that. And I think there is a best-case scenario where he gets to the bigs earlier than that. Maybe it's June. But I think Mike Elias is definitely going to let him go through probably, you know, at least close to 10 starts in AAA Norfolk before they even think about making that decision to bring him to the bigs. But again, best-case scenario is he's in the big leagues. He's carving up guys at the big league level in the second half of the season. And we're looking at the opening day starter, maybe, for the Orioles in 2023. How fun would that be? But then there is the number one prospect in all of baseball and with the Orioles. Of course, that is the 24-year-old catcher, Adley Rutschman, who, again, before the tricep injury, best-case scenario was opening day roster for Adley Rutschman. But again, it's not going to happen, it looks like now. He's still out with that tricep injury. So he's not going to be on the opening day roster, probably. They're going to ease him back from whatever that injury really severity is. Doesn't look too severe at all. He'll start the year AAA Norfolk. Will he play in games April 5th when their season starts? Probably not. But he'll be in Norfolk maybe for a couple of weeks. And then the Orioles will bring him up. Best case scenario, he's an Oriole by April. April what? That's a good question. But best case scenario... He is an Oriole by April, and I will take that every day of the week. And then he goes through the season, and if we're saying best-case scenario for Adley Rutschman, he's the AL Rookie of the Year in 2022, and he's looking to be an All-Star in 2023 and beyond. Because we're talking best-case scenarios. He stays healthy, he hits like we know he can, and he becomes a huge part of this Orioles team, as we know he will be, going forward with that Rookie of the Year award. But that's the best-case scenarios for all of these Orioles prospects in the top 10 on fan graphs going to 2022, but either way, it's going to be a very fun year for watching these Orioles prospects develop. We've got one more episode coming up this week. That's our Friday episode coming up tomorrow with Nathan Ruiz, the Orioles beat writer for the Baltimore Sun, 
So he will be joining us to talk all things Orioles from Sarasota. We'll talk about roster battles, who's looking good, who's not, who could be on the opening day roster. All the updates you need just a week away from opening day. But that's all coming up on tomorrow's episode. Until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.